seeks leadership events. We hope you have learned something about leadership and the power of one. You will now hear from one of Bedworth's own leaders, Mr. Aaron Maurer, in his 11th year at Bedworth Middle School. He has taught 6th grade social studies, literature, and computer. He taught 4th through 8th grade ELP and is currently an instructional coach, which means he's helping teach and develop projects at the BMS. Mr. Maurer's favorite thing about BMS is being able to work with many different students who challenge him to be a better educator. He enjoys working with every subject to merge his nerdy ideas into the classroom. Mr. Maurer loves receiving letters from past students. Reading the letters reminds him of why he was pulled into education. Mr. Maurer has also worked with Lego and Microsoft to develop new ideas for schools. He was named a finalist for Iowa Teacher of the Year in 2014. Mr. Maurer has three kids, Aiden, Addison, and Ava, and a new bulldog, Frankie May, whom they call Frankie Stanky. He is an avid coffee consumer, frequently spotted wearing bow ties, searching for the perfect cup of joe. Please welcome, straight from BMS, Mr. Maurer. power of one, and I'm not, and when I first heard that, I wasn't really a big fan of the power of one, because I really believe that in order to make some change, you can't do it by yourself. You have to have a team of people. You have to have a people around you that are willing to give you the truth, challenge you, pull you aside, um, and, and really kind of give you those reality checks in time. But in order to get that group of people and to have that team surrounding you, you've got to be able to flip your switch, and that's where the power of one comes in, when you're able to make that decision And so the question that, that pops into our minds all the time is, is this question. You may frame it differently in your mind, but is, why does my life matter? I didn't use the word, does my life matter, because our lives do matter. But why? When you lay in bed and I can't sleep, and you're wondering, why am I here? What am I doing with myself? Or in the morning, or you're daydreaming in class, or you're on a long road trip. Why is it that we question why our lives matter? And I think there's another question that stems off of that, which is what makes the difference between success and failure for young people in our society. And the answer is, is really simple. I'm trying to figure it out. Why are there kids that just don't have it and others that, that do? And it's, it's, it's fear. You fear the unknown. You're scared to make that leap because you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not here talking about trying to change the world. I'm talking about small little steps here that we're going through. 
Why is it that we don't take that plunge for all those things in our mind where we go, I wish I could do this, I wish I would have done this, I wish this or that? It's because you're scared. Alright? So if you think of the waterfowl, this is a loon. If you know anything about loons, they make these amazing bird calls. And if you've ever been on a lake or a cabin in the morning or the evening, you can hear these loons make these calls. These will have like relaxation CDs. But if you were to take a recording of a larger loon and play that and let it go across the water, the loons will be intrigued, but they won't approach where that noise is coming from. And if you were to repeatedly do that time and time again, the loons would actually leave because they become scared. And they go, I don't want to mess with this loon that doesn't even exist. This happens all the time. If you think back to fifth grade and how many of you are nervous right coming to middle school, you heard all these stories how big it was, how scary it's going to be. Or maybe if you were transitioning through to high school and then you get there and you're like, it's really not that big a deal. This place is really just kind of whatever it is. And so you have to be able to take that risk to go to the unknown, venture out, see what's going on in order to find out what you're capable of doing. And so, Others of you may say, well, I'm not scared. I take that risk. I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. But I think there's also those of you on the other end of the scale who say victory has defeated you. You think you've had victory. You think you've had success. And that mindset keeps you from going beyond average as well. If you think about the movie, one of my favorite movies, Dark Knight Rises, in the battle scene with Batman and Bane, there's that scene where they're going, Batman, getting ready to fight Bane, and Bane just laughs at him. Oh, oh, oh. And he says, victory has defeated And you can see in that moment that, that Batman is weak. And he's trying. He's trying to punch. He's trying to attack. All right? And Bane's just standing there. And if you remember that scene, if you see the movie, it keeps going on. And Batman starts to struggle. He starts to use all his little utility tools from his belt. He's knocking out the lights. He's trying to get into the dark. And, and Bane laughs again. <laughs> and he says, Batman, you were adopted in the dark. You trained in the dark. But I was born in the dark. So you can't let victory defeat you just because Batman's Batman doesn't mean he's going to win. It's the same thing for you. You might have had some success, but it doesn't mean anything. Your past, what you've done, what you're doing now, doesn't mean much if you're not continuing to challenge yourself now and looking into the future. So you've got to change your perception. You've got to get your mind right in order for this to happen. Okay, and so there's a commercial, and if you don't have time to show this, but if you see this commercial, these two people are going up the escalator, these business people, and halfway through the escalator stops. And they start freaking out. The lady starts screaming, the guy's yelling, they're going to be late for work, because they fail to realize that the problem is so serious to them that the escalator has turned into stairs and they can just walk up it. But they're so consumed by the problem of the broken escalator that they can't move forward. And I think that's what happens. You get caught and you get stuck and you're not sure what to do. And so it's getting there to realize that sometimes the answer is right there in front of you. And you have to look at that and say, holy cow, there it is. So a lot of you look at this picture and you see all the soccer balls. The minute you fail to realize this guy has six fingers on his hands because you're so consumed with one angle of the way that you envision it. And so sometimes you just got to take a step back and see what's really out there. Okay? And so I'm not asking you to put one more thing on your plate. I know you guys' lives are busy. Probably more busy than, than, than any adult with all the stuff that you have to do. And so the key is not to prioritize your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. How many of you have ranged your priorities? You look at everything you do in a week. What are all those things you do? And look 
Start to compare the amount of time that you're doing on certain activities compared to those priorities. And do they line up? And if they don't, your perception's off. And you need to fix that. Now, if you decide to make that plunge and say, you know what? Okay, this guy maybe, maybe is a full of crap. All right? This is how I just have to come in here and listen to this ball over the guy speak. And you're willing to maybe flip that switch. Okay? I'm not saying it's going to be a, a cookie-cutter approach. Life is going to punch you in the face. You gotta be ready for that, that, that sucker punch to the gut or to your jaw. You gotta be, really, be willing to swing right back at life. Okay? And so with that comes that uncertainty. There's that fear. You might try and it might not work out. But maybe it will. Maybe it'll work out even better than what you anticipated. But you don't know unless you try. And so the error only becomes a mistake when you refuse to correct it. And I'm not here to give you a failure talk because you've been probably given 87 failure talks in your life about it's okay to fail, make mistakes, yada, yada, yada. But then everything that you're grading and assessing and done in life, whether it's school or work, you can't really make any mistakes. So I'm not going there. But this is a picture of me with my brother back in the day when, when my mom thought it was cool to have the same looking shirt and it's horrendously um, terrible and moronic. But here it is, uh, 1987. Alright, and when I was a kid, I had two terrible speech impediments. I had a list like you wouldn't believe, and I stuttered uncontrollably where I couldn't articulate any thoughts whatsoever. Alright, I was that kid that it was either excited or nervous, and you asked me a question, and I would sit there, whoa, 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 and I could never talk. And so I chose not to. And so I had to go to speech therapy, and my speech therapist was a lady named Corky. And I don't know why that bothers me, that just seemed like a terrible name for a speech therapist. And I remember going up these little tiny rickety stairs in this old raggedy building, because I was from Indiana, and we're going up this little tiny room, and we'd sit on this table, Corky myself, and she had a tape recorder, and a Sports Illustrated for Kids magazine, and I had to sit there and read it out loud for 15 minutes. And she would record it. And then when 15 minutes was up, she'd stop, we'd rewind it, and we'd go back and I'd have to listen to it. And I remember hating that. I remember vividly every session because it was so terrible. And I remember thinking, like, why do I have to listen to myself talk? I already know how I sound, and I don't like it. But life punched me in the face, and I said, I can't let that stop me. All right? And now here I am. I'm speaking in front of this many kids, which is really, really exciting. Okay, I get to teach, which makes me talk for a, for a lot, probably more than maybe what, what kids want. All right, and you have to overcome those things, right? So you can't view those things as, as setbacks. And just recently, I had a goal now about five years to publish a book, and I finally got my butt in gear after making all the excuses. I had a publisher interested in my work, and I submitted it. And these are just some of the nicer comments that they left on my, on my thing. And they emailed me and said, you suck as a writer. Thank you for wasting your time. Don't submit your stuff again. All right? Now... That took away my ego a little bit, I'm not going to lie to you. But now I'm determined more than ever to let them know that they messed up by not taking my work. But I also realized that it wasn't very good. And it does need to be polished. And there are some flaws in my writing. Alright? So those are just examples that life will punch you in the face, but you can't stop. But you have to say no to being average. I could sit there every day, come to my job, check in, check out, alright? And go through my 34 years of service and walk out. But that's not what it is. Same thing in school. You can come in every day, check in, check out, move on, and not gain anything from this. Or your job. Or your sport. Or your music. Or drama. Whatever it is. You have to say no to being average. 
Because it's easy to blend in. And that's why so many people are average, because it's easy to do. Nobody will bother you if you're average. And so I love this quote by Mark Twain. Never argue with stupid people, because they'll drag you down to level and beat you with experience. It's the same thing with average. The minute you try to push outside of average, they're going to try to bring you down. Because it makes them feel like they're average and they realize it. And so if you look around you, there's probably average sitting all around you. Not probably, there is. Maybe you are the average person. All right? So you've got to be able to challenge yourself outside of that. All right? I don't have time for the video, but this is from the Boston Marathon a couple days ago. Anybody see this guy's story? Muscular dystrophy, ran it and finished it in, in, in 20 hours. Freezing cold, rain, all right? He's in the city marathon, and he's there. And I love something he said in a previous interview. He's done five marathons now. Um, as he's going through, he can barely walk and move. He says, I don't have a disability, I have an ability. And that has really kind of stood out to me when I've been following this guy's journey. And so you have to say no to being average. This guy could have caved in and used his disability as an excuse. He chose not to. So, how do you do that? You have to stay away from the cheese. And what I mean by that is there, there's this now, there's this piece of cheese that's in your mouth, you can't stay away from it. You know that you're going to probably get snapped to death if you take the cheese, but they do it anyway. And some people are maybe not smart enough, uh, but we're going to pretend they are intelligent enough. And so, I have an outcome in my house, and where my house isn't filthy, but in the winter, in our attic, we heard the sitter. So I put this mouse trap up in the attic, and went through the first night, boom, caught a mouse. We were like, great, we got it. So we put it up again. Second day, boom, we caught another one. And we have a in seven nights, which is disgusting. I thought my wife was going to freak out. And I kept here going, how dumb are these guys? They're so caught off guard by the now of this cheese that they sat there. And after we got to the next snack, for 20 hours, they ran by Ralph, Lloyd, and Sally, and Jane, and the nice women got the next snack. And that they still couldn't resist. So you have those things where people are going to try to make you average. They're going to ask you to do things that are, that are stupid. They're going to take you off your path of where you need to go. You know, you're only useful once in a little while, whatever it might be. Don't let that cheese fall prey to the goals that you have if you have your priorities in, in, in mind. So, what I'm telling you is you have to stop waiting for permission. There is not a right time to make your move. If you keep waiting for that move, it's never going to happen. You've got to make something happen. And so with my kids, I did my password wrong about 1,800 times, all right, it reminded me, if I were to wait for my phone to be disabled, all right, I'd be dead. Actually, my kids would probably be dead as well. All right, so you can't wait. You just got to go, and you have to take the plunge and make it happen. So I'm challenging you to be great, and I'm challenging you to find that, whatever it is that you do. Okay, so it comes down to growth mindset here a little bit. I'm not going to go into all that because I know you're drilling to death that middle school on growth mindset, happens to mind, all right? But you got to get your mind right. So my daughter's in second grade. Every day on her planner, she writes down one thing that she's learned every single day. Still does it, all right? And I love it. Um, sometimes I question what she's learning, and she'll write down different things. But every day, she has something down, okay? Now, my son... Put this down. <laughs> All right? And I used to get really upset. I was like, how do you learn nothing? 
He's like, oh, I just, I just, I just sit in school all day. We don't do anything. School's boring. Only, only classes I like are lunch and, and PE. And I was getting mad. And the, the educator was going, why not talk to this teacher? And then I started realizing, no, it's not the teacher. This is on him. And I sat him down. And I said, son, how can this happen? You are in school eight hours a day and you haven't learned one thing. That's on you. That's your fault. That's a mindset. He's refusing to take something from the day. Sometimes you have to sit and grind. There's class that you don't like. There's jobs that you don't want to do. Maybe there's chores or there's, there's community service or whatever it is that you do. There's just things in life we don't like. But you've got to be able to take something away from it. All right? And if you're going to put that much time into something, you better be able to. You've got to pay attention to details. And so I want to talk about this guy. This is Steve Johnson, my high school coach, or was my high school coach, uh, back in Indiana where I played. And he was meticulous with details. We would get in trouble if our socks were misaligned, if our socks were the same height off our shoe, if our jerseys weren't tucked in the same way, uh, if your hair was any with over two inches and made you cut it right under a pair of scissors in the locker room. If you had any facial hair, they made you shave with, without water and without shaving. It was old Ricky Vic Razor. And you did that one time and you never did it again. And every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. we had MTXE practices. This was his motto. It was not everything. It stands for mental toughness, extra effort. But it's about the details. Alright? And this is, I'm not here to talk about sports because for four years he gave us out every time in around here. All we had is have one day in common practice. But that applies to being a good friend and being a good son or daughter. And being a good student, or drama, or music, or art, or whatever it is that you do, you've got to put time in. And with that, when you have people that make you better, it's even more important that you let them know. So this is a letter that I wrote him a couple of years ago. I found out he had stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Um, I had no idea. He didn't tell anybody. And so I wrote this letter, and I sent it off, and I don't know if he read it or not. Because by the time it would have arrived... With about a 20 hour window, um, he died. But I hated Coach Johnson in high school. We all did. We hated him with a passion. Because we didn't like him. We didn't like anything he stood for. But as I got older, I realized how important it was. And he literally saved my life. I was going in a bad spot my sophomore year with some bad people doing a lot of bad things. And I remember he pulled me out of photography class one day. And I had like good low clothes on, and I had long hair over two inches, and I had all these necklaces, um, and I had made the declaration I wasn't going to play basketball, which is a pretty bold statement in Indiana. The people love to play basketball, and that's all I did. That's kind of what I was known for. And I remember he grabbed all five necklaces around my neck, and he's like, "What is this?" And he's just, and he's in my face, and he's, and he's always going to spit when he talks, and he, and he and he shoved me back, and he points me in the chest. And he says, you're a quitter. You are a quitter. You're a disappointment. If you can't handle MTXC, and you can't handle the pride of being a charger, and you don't want to work hard, and you want to do this crap, and he has two other words, and he went on for like five minutes. And I remember I walked back into photography class, and everybody heard it. And everybody was laughing, hooting and hollering. And the guys out running with it were like, he's stupid, don't worry, you don't need him. But the thing that stood out to me in that whole time was that he called me a quitter. And I remember thinking, I'm not a quitter. And so I remember telling my, my mom, I'm going out for basketball, 
for one reason, to prove that I'm not a quitter. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to show him. And really, I think about it, it's, it's really dumb. That's really what he, what he wanted me to do in the first place, as well as basketball. Uh, but it got me back on the right path. And to make a long story short, if you have those people that are helping you, make sure you let them know. I don't know that he ever got to know the impact that he had on me. Because in high school, we treated him like crap. Okay? You have to quit making excuses. You have to stop. It's easy to make excuses. People do it all the time. There's an excuse for everything. All right? There's a really great Michael Jordan video of a couple minutes of a commercial where he talks about how he apologizes for making the game easy. It's really good. You YouTube sometimes hear that. And the answer is okay, you just make excuses. So we're going to go here. So here's what I'm going to do quickly, the last little miss I have, is I'm not asking you to change the world. You need to start small. Very, very small. Okay? So as my daughter reminded me in this piece of artwork in first grade, when she was present, the first thing she was going to do was wake up. <laughs> right? It's a pretty phenomenal thing. If you don't wake up, you can't do anything as president. So it reminds me that you have to start small. What is it that you're going to do? Okay? What's your why? What is it that gets you up in the morning? For me, it's my kids. I want my kids to be proud of who I am. I want my legacy to be something they're proud of. All right? What is it that's going to drive you to do whatever it is that you want to do? Write a book, make music, create art, drama, be out standing on the field of the court, stand out in the classroom. I don't, I don't really care what it is. Be the best crocheter in the world. It doesn't matter. Pick something. And what's your why for that? The last story that I have is my grandfather. Okay? My grandfather was from a family of ten. Uh, obviously, there's not ten people there because his brothers and sisters died when they were, when they were born. All right? Um, he was a hardworking man. He's right over here on the right. Uh, you guys can see the Maori side of my dad. Uh, the ball just runs in the family. And what he would do is when you talk to him, he always looked at you straight in the face. And you feel like you're the only person in the room. Out of military, he established a business, did very, very well, and he just worked hard for everything. Now, towards the end of his life, he was a smoker. He smoked a pipe. He had emphysema. He had cancer. He had a whole slew of things. And my family did not want me to show you this picture. It's actually a picture that has stayed buried for a couple years. And just recently, uh, we brought it out because my two-year-old, my two-year-old, my three-year-old is in everything, and she found it. Uh, and this is him about three days before he died. All right? He looks, he looks horrible. And so, uh, but what I see out of this, I remember when I went to visit him, my, my grandma was like. I want to take a picture. I was like, well, I don't want a picture of my grandfather like this. I, I, it's not how I want to remember him. And then it hit me about three years later, just a couple months ago. He was dying. His body was shutting down completely. He was, he was juiced up on morphine. He was in so much pain. He was riddled, you know, shaped back and forth. He couldn't talk. He couldn't make noises. But you could just sense his pain. And I remember we had to come say our goodbyes. And he fought. He fought to stay alive until everybody was able to come back and see him for the last time. That's a why. That's a passion. That's a perception. And when that last person came, it wasn't me. It was my cousin. Two days later, as soon as he walked through the door and said, Hi, Grandpa, that was it. He knew he had made his goal. That's a why, people. So in the mornings when I don't want to get up, and I look like my dog for any day. And I don't want to work. And I don't want to do the paperwork. And I don't want to do all these things. I think of my grandfather going, if he could have...
fought death. I can get up and go run a couple miles. I can get up and write out those bills. I can get up and go play with my kid when I'm tired of dealing with kids. I've been dealing with them all day long. Okay? What is it that you're going to do? All right? Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. So if you're not getting the things that you want to hit in life and make those goals, your system is flawed. So look at what you're doing. Look at the system that you've constructed for yourself. It's getting the results. There's never an improper system. It's just the wrong system to hit the wrong goals if you're out of line there. And so very, very quickly, here's it, here it is. In a nutshell of what I've just talked about. Go make something happen. I don't care what it is, but make it happen. Do the work that you're proud of. You treat people with respect. You make big promises with people, and you ship it out the door. You have to share it. If you're going to do something great and people don't know about it, why do it? It's a waste of your time and everybody else's time for not knowing. All right? So I'm challenging you to be change makers. I'm not going to lie. This is the most nervous I have been for a presentation because this is the top audience. But I thank you for your time and listening. All right? And I hope that you take the power of one and make something happen. Thank you.